Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, episode 158. Um, I guess I'm not sure if we're going to do this as like a simulcast. I understand that you now have two shows. Uh, I'm sitting here with Walt from How I Embrace the Suck, and I only just discovered your second show recently. What's that called again? I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, the Washed Out Podcast. The wa- See, that would be more yeah. um, appropriate for for two guys like us having a conversation, right? Yeah. So what's, yeah. I mean, you've been on here before. You've talked about how I embrace the suck where you interview ex-military guys. Um, or current. You, or current. Okay, I was yeah. just going to yeah. ask. I thought you might have a rule against current military, but um, as long as they don't self-incriminate, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, for sure. My only rules are uh, as long as they're not currently running for off political office, and uh, I've never worked for the CIA. So, and how it. about how about the Washed Out podcast? Is that just kind of more open ended? Um, uh, yeah, that's just three friends and I uh, ranting into the microphone, and and sure. uh, yeah, just it's your typical kind of uh, four guys in, at talking in a microphone and recording it, and hoping someone will listen. And then yeah. uh, we all, so far, I'm the only one that's done it, but we all do a. Um, have the opportunity to release like our own kind of stuff on there. So I've done some, I call it niche entertainment. Okay. Like a play on words for trains and autism and stuff. So it's a little dog whistle. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, sure. Sure. But It it seems to, people seem to like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I listened to one episode of it so far. Um, But yeah, man, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I should, I should check out the rest of them. Um, Yeah. No, it's always, it's always cool to see you, man. You've been a contributor on the WTF forum. We hung out at Childerberg. Um, from what I remember, at least, we hung out at Child- Childerberg. Man, that I hadn't been that messed up in a minute, but it was fun. It was fun, you know. I, I had about a week-long hangover after the fact. Though. Oh, no, dude. Good thing you didn't drive there this time. Yeah, yeah. Although, to be honest, bro, I kind of wish I had. Um, oh, yeah. I just get stressed out like with air travel and feeling sort of at the whim of other people. And um, I'd rather have my own transport, but with the old trucks I tend to drive, it's always a gamble to take a long, you know, road trip, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Yeah. We, we've been talking about doing this for like a week or two now. Um, I saw some tweets that you had posted like shortly after Childerberg sort of bringing up, a pretty important topic that I don't think gets talked about enough. Um, you know, I, in our, in our community, like the Liberty community or just in general, um, we were talking about the issue of dehumanization, um, which is a big spicy kind of topic. And we've seen a whole lot of it happening and I'm starting to recognize it for what it is, is like a, what you might call like a, a feedback loop where 
The more of it you have, the more of it you get. Generally, that's referred to a, as a positive feedback loop. Not sure. that it's not that it's a positive thing, but you know, there's positive feedback loops and negative. Uh, positive, like I said, the more of something you have, the more of it you eventually get. Versus a negative feed le- feedback loop, which is sort of the opposite, where maybe the more of one thing you have, the less of another. Um, right. But when it comes to this sort of instinct, you might call it, or sin of dehumanization, um, it's something that's very prevalent and it's sort of an easy, how do I say? It's an easy mistake for people to make, right? Um, I kind of think it comes from our like indigenous hunter-gatherer sort of psychology where others were perceived as a threat, right? And if you had to go to war, say, over resources or territory, it was a survival instinct to separate your people from the others and to sort of classify them as something other than human. Um, And I think we see that all the time, even still today, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like how Louis Lamore often says, that the um, Indian tribes didn't have a word for stranger. Mm. It was just enemy. Mm. Kind like that. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, that's probably a gross over overgeneralization, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> given that there were dozens, if not hundreds of different, you know, native languages, but that's interesting. You know, it is, um, that is interesting. I, I used to love those little penny cowboy novels, man. I probably read at least yeah. a dozen of Louis, Louis Lamour's books, uh, you know, and I halfway almost went for that like penny uh, Western style with my book uh, oh, to yeah, some okay. extent. Yeah. Um, obviously, it costs a little more than a penny these days, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, dude, like speaking of Childerberg and stuff, you know, where my mind went when I saw your text message or your your Twitter tweets, whatever, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was sort of hearkening back. I don't know if this was your intention or not, but it it made me think of some of the jokes that are made at these like freedom conferences and festivals about the NPCs around us and how, you know, this idea that like we're part of the enlightened or the aware, the awake and uh, you know, not woke, but awake. Right. right. Let's, cl- yeah. let's clarify that. But how, you know, it becomes sort of an easy joke to make, like all these people that are just still walking around sort of with blinders on, um, sort of, you might call it like chosen ignorance of many, many things. Um, so, you know, I, I was as guilty as anybody about making jokes. You know, I talked about it on the forum on Sunday where it's like we had one group of campers in our area that were not with the festival. And it was like automatically we just decided to call them NPCs. Right. And, and that's kind of degrading, man. Like it's pretty dehumanizing. And I, I think we really have to be cautious of doing that. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can. I mean, and I, I too. I mean, I'm not like I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything. I've, I definitely um, make jokes like that. Uh, mm-hmm. NPCs or or uh, or mindless drones or whatever, whatever the term is. Or even if you're talking about like um, uh, the matrix, who, what's the, the people that are still in the, in the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. That's to mm-hmm. a certain extent, maybe kind of could be viewed as uh, dehumanizing people, but um, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's, it's, there's, I would say 
I know this sounds a little excusatory. Um, I'd say there's a difference between just a little casual joking among friends mm-hmm. and um, making making that viewpoint being a reason for personal policy decisions or or ways you view and interact with people. That makes sense. Or yeah, I mean, I was going to say at the very worst, um, sort of justification for violence and, and genocide. I mean, that's right. where that's where it tends to go. Um, so, like I said, yeah, it's just something to be like kind of careful about. Jokes are one thing, but when people take stuff seriously i mean that's when you get i hate to say it but like that's when you get like mass shooters right when they just see everybody around them as non-player characters who cares if i cap you know 30 50 people because they don't even count right i mean how else how else can you get yourself to the point of doing something like that except to believe that these people don't deserve to live right and it's it's terrifying you know i like i said i think it's a positive feedback loop and I think those of us who claim to be sort of awake have to do what we can to break the cycle, you know, and mm, not and yeah. not participate in it. Um, you know, I've got some clips here. I want to start with this one. Um, let's see here. I want to basically give give definitions to what we're saying. Right. I mean, we've kind of sort of halfway yeah, done that already. Idea. But um, this guy, he's talking about sort of the two major megatrends as he sees them that sort of have been going on throughout the last few years. Um, Oh, okay. So here we go. It's been a tough year. You know, I think everybody uh, can relate to that. I think everyone's had a tough year in their own unique way. And I think it's important that we, we put our evening tonight in that context put our evening in the context of, okay, what have we learned about ourselves this year? You know, we've discovered a lot about ourselves, but have we learned anything about ourselves? And I think quarantine put our lives under a microscope. I think quarantine, uh, the lockdown, it, it showed us where the cracks are in our lives. And it showed us where the cracks are in our society as well. There's a lot going on in the world at this moment, but there are two mega trends that nobody is talking about. We spend most of our time, and certainly the media spends most of its time, talking about the symptoms of what the challenges we face as a society and as humanity are at this moment in history. But there are two mega trends that nobody's talking about. The first mega trend is soul denial. Humanity is is coming into this phase where we're just in denial of the fact that we actually have a soul, that our soul needs to be fed, that our soul gets hungry, that our soul gets thirsty, and and that we do have a soul. And it is an immortal soul, and it is going to live forever. And humanity is moving into this phase where we're just in denial of the soul. That leads to the second mega trend. And the second mega trend is, is dehumanization. Dehumanization essentially takes place when we stop treating people like people. You know, we, we lose empathy. You know, we, we stop treating people like people. We, we objectify people. We treat people as a means to an end. And, and this dehumanization process takes place. We do it to other people, but we also do it to ourselves at times. And it's important to recognize that. What is the answer? What is the solution to these two mega trends that are coming through the world and coming through our lives? The answer, the solution is rehumanization. 
One of the biggest parts of our mission as Christians at this time in history is the rehumanization of humanity. Is there a book we can read about this? Is there, is there an expert on this? Yeah, there is. Uh, the guy's name is, um, let me think of it, uh, yeah, Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He's the expert on rehumanization. And uh, book, what's the book called? Yeah, it's called The Gospels. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These, these are the source of knowledge and wisdom about rehumanization. They are the source of knowledge and wisdom about how you enter the process of rehumanization for yourself. Because let's face it, before you're a mom, before you're a dad, before you're a worker, before you're a co-worker, before you're a coach, before you're a leader, before you're a business owner or businessman or businesswoman, before any of that, you are a human being and you've got legitimate needs, physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual. And so for 2,000 years, Christianity has been the primary humanizing force in our culture. For 2,000 years, Christianity has been the primary humanizing force in individuals' lives. And it's time to get back to it. Because the world megatrends, soul denial, and dehumanization, the megatrend that needs to come out of Christianity again is the rehumanization of humanity in every civilization. All right. So I thought that guy was pretty elegant with his description. Um, he was also fairly nonspecific as far as maybe how uh, quarantine and lockdown led sure. to de dehumanizing people because it was kind of a, a chain of events. It wasn't as if it happened right away. Right. You know, if anything, at first we saw like the best of humanity at the very, very beginning of lockdown, if you can remember. Right. I still don't agree with them ever locking us down, but people did kind of rally together under the idea of two weeks to flatten the curve. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, like that's reasonable. Like we can all do that. Like let's help out our fellow man. Right. It all went south pretty quick thereafter, though. Am I right? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the narrator voice and then people uh change their minds or something <laughs> yeah. like well that didn't work <laughs> right 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 you know on that on that note i do have a video of two guys talking about this same issue um two years ago i believe this came out in january of 2021 and i had to do my homework you know it's like the last few years have been such a blur that I couldn't remember quite when the jabby jabs came on the scene, right? And when oh yeah, when mandates started and this and that. Um, so you know, this one I'm sharing, it's almost that I I don't know. My sense was that they as opposed to the last guy who I think was intentionally vague, um I think these guys are choosing not to address specifics in a different kind of way. Like they address sure. some, they address some specifics, but there's a couple things that are sort of glaringly omitted here. Um, yeah. Dancing around the dancing around the uh, 
problematic words, maybe. Yeah, or like to me, this feels like you know subtle spin from one side, uh, who, in my opinion, did the majority of the dehumanization. Oh, okay. Um, so, tell me if if I've if I've got the wrong impression there, but this one's a little bit longer. I hope that's cool. Yeah, I'm down. Today I'm going to be speaking with David Livingstone Smith, who's a professor of philosophy at the University of New England in Maine and also author of the book On Inhumanity, Dehumanization and, and How to Resist It. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, David. So what set the stage for the conversation, when we talk about dehumanization and inhumanity, there are a lot of ways that we could sort of define those ideas, but what, what do you mean when you talk about that? Well, dehumanization is a word that's used in so many different ways, even in the scholarly literature. What I mean by dehumanization is the attitude of conceiving of other people as subhuman creatures. And in history, there are so many different um, examples of when we can say that this dehumanization took place. There are times where it can take place um, by people who are trying to uh, justify horrible acts of violence. There are times when dehumanization might even be a, a coping mechanism by someone exposed to extremely harsh or difficult conditions in, in some way, shape, or form. What are some of the different ways that in human history this has manifested? Well, almost always, uh, humanization is the product of propaganda. So it's not something that spontaneously arises in the human mind. Rather, it's the result of people in positions of power who want us to do terrible things to one another. And the paradigmatic example of that is, is genocide. So if those in power, those who are in positions of authority can convince us that these wars that they wish us to harm are dangerous, toxic, subhuman creatures that we must destroy in our own self-defense, then that allows us to overcome very natural resistance human beings have to doing awful things to one another. I, I'm thinking of so many of the uh, books I've read about uh, the Holocaust and concentration camps and the way in which uh, concentration camp uh, uh, guards, uh, SS, Nazi soldiers, et cetera, um, by, by propaganda, I mean, quite literally, the story that Hitler was telling about, about Jews and, and about some others was about these people are not really human the way we are. But there's also, interestingly, in some of the memoirs of survivors of concentration camps, they said they also experienced the sort of dehumanization even of their peers, which they saw almost as a survival instinct, which, mm. which is, is that a different mechanism? Well, yes, we'd have to go into some detail about what they had in mind. But yeah. certainly people who are the victims of dehumanization are quite aware, generally, that they're seen as subhuman creatures. I mean, we find this in the example of the Holocaust. I mean, the two examples that I use most of my work are the Holocaust, which, by the way, has centuries-old roots in European anti-Semitism. Yep. Jews had been dehumanized since the, since the 12th century in Europe. Uh, and also the brutal oppression 
of black people in the United States, particularly in the aftermath of the American Civil War. And in both those instances, the victims of dehumanization were well aware that they were seen uh, as subhuman creatures, monsters, demons, vermin. As a historical note. Okay, I'm just going to pause for a second here. Um, basically, up to this point, like I have no no disagreement. Um, again, like maybe I'm reading into the subtleties of where he goes next a little too much. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd be curious to hear your sure. thoughts a- after, but um, I found like a number of things that he said pretty interesting. Um, what he said about how oftentimes people, well, people dehumanize out of a survival instinct, right? Like I kind of already hit on that. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I actually made a note. He, I, I don't remember exactly, but he, he said something along the lines of uh, primarily, it's often primarily due to um, people in power um, forcing this opinion on us. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That could be, that's possibly true. I'm not denying it. I'm just always uncomfortable when responsibility is uh, shifted to uh, someone else as opposed to uh, the individual taking the action. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong necessarily, but the decision to dehumanize somebody while you could be, and I, I liked his definition of dehumanization. That sounded like a good one, but the mm-hmm. decision to do that is um, while it may have been motivated by external forces or external, uh, you know, your leader or somebody who's like, Hey, let's go kill the, these people in this other country. They're not humans that might've been an external force on you, but the decision was your own decision. If you, if you decide to treat others as, or think of them as not human or whatever, um, mm-hmm. th- that's your decision. Um, yeah. even if it was influenced by somebody else. So maybe I slightly disagree with him on that. I, I depending on exactly what he meant. By I feel it. like he was phrasing it as like, that is one of the main contributing factors, right? Mm, okay. Sure. Yeah. Not so much that it's solely, that cause like it's one of many causes um but oh shoot i had it and now it's now it's gone um oh well i was gonna say you know basically the things that he omits are masks and vaxes right i'll just say it oh oh, okay and the whole time he's talking i'm like yeah this is describing exactly what we've gone through at the same time though i'm i'm trying to take the lens of what what time they recorded this i think what it was right after january 6th right ah of uh right after was that 21 yeah it would have been 21 yeah so in my mind it's like which tyrant does this guy have in mind is it biden or trump right Right. you know it doesn't matter or maybe it doesn't matter maybe i shouldn't be um too skeptical because again given the time of this recording in order to stay on youtube you could not talk about that stuff oh yeah good point sure. so there's kind of two angles there um yeah i'm actually gonna maybe give these guys the benefit of the doubt because they're talking about the right things they're talking about how uh authoritarianism is one of the main causes like Again, maybe I was being too too critical, but let's let's listen to the rest. See if you have any red flag, you know, red flags that pop up, and feel free to like interject, and I can hit the pause. Hey, teacher. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
what is the is I'm curious whether you're aware of I, I know of of uh, anti-Semitism based in the idea of Jews bringing the plague. Uh, and I, I'm I don't remember if that's 13th century or 14th century. Is that the earliest example you're aware of or is there something prior to that? Well, well dehumanization of Jews, we, we find it sporadically earlier. So in the Gospel of John, Jews are described as offspring of Satan. Mm. Right. So that's a very early Christian uh, root of some anti-Semitic ideas. I'll introduce the idea too that it's interesting in in um, contrast to the last episode, <coughs> where the, where the guy basically gives Christianity credit for being the main force of humanization. Um, this guy's kind of angling it like there's there's blatant anti-Semitism in the Bible, which you know I'd be curious um, what what verse he's referring to. There, there's a verse where there's a verse where Jesus says. Uh, I think he's talking to the Pharisees um, where he says uh, you offspring of the devil hmm. um, or something along those lines. And, and I would obviously disagree with what he's, this guy's saying here. Um, it wasn't a blanket statement of, you know, you're Jews, therefore you're children of the devil. Um, they were children of the devil because of their disobedience of the Bible. And they were um, disobeying the old Testament and not recognizing Christ as uh, the Messiah. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, he's free to his opinion, and I can see, well, I can see how he could arrive at that. I don't remember the exact verse off the top of my head, to be honest. Well, and once again, maybe he's not saying that th that's explicitly what's said, but it's um, how people have chosen to um, justify their ideas, right? Here, let's mm. re-listen. Let's re-listen to it. Uh, Gospel of John. There it is. John. Jews are described as offspring of Satan, mm. right? So that's a very early Christian uh, root of some anti-Semitic ideas, right? So if you're the offspring of Satan, you're demonic. Yes. This idea of the demonic Jew persisted, but it really took a terrible turn during the First Crusade when Christians marched off to, to the Holy Land to win it back from the infidel. And along the way, they decided to attack the infidel in their midst. Remember, Jews were the only religious minority who were permitted to survive in Europe. Right. Um, and it's from this point onward that Jews are racialized. They're seen as an alien and inferior race and seen as demonic, devilish, biologically different even. It was believed that Jewish men menstruated, that Jews had horns and tails and, and so on. And so it just picks up there. And then after the bubonic plague of the mid 14th century, uh, it, it gets really, really, really bad. When it comes to the, um, uh, I, I guess we would, the dehumanizers, so to speak, sometimes words or terms like they are monsters, they are animals, et cetera, are applied, which is in a sense is a dehumanization of the dehumanizers. Is the, is that a pro is that something we should be concerned about doing? Are oh, there risks to doing certain. that? Yeah, absolutely we should be concerned about that. Monsters are fictional. No one is a monster. Hitler was not a monster. I'm Jewish, I can say that. Hitler was not a monster. Goebbels was not a monster. These are human beings. And it would really benefit us if we considered them as holding up a mirror hmm. to what is possible, 
for any human being. You know, we are all vulnerable. There's no vaccination against dehumanizing attitudes. Okay. He said it. He said it. I'm just kidding. Well, it is, again, I don't know, a little bit of a red flag there, right? Right. He said vaccination. Well, and this was right in the heat of things, but he was talking about there's, you know, there's no vaccination for that as in, um, he still had a whole lot of faith that his jabby jab was going to work. Right. Probably he, probably, could be. he probably, he probably had his two doses at this point waiting on his third booster. And, uh, and that's just the vibe I get by that comment. Right. Again, I'm, I'm reading between the lines of their words. Right. Sure, sure. But like again, I'm not like saying he's wrong about anything per se. You know, his 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 characterization of that verse is misleading. Sounds like um he's he's making some broad assumptions. Yeah, I I found the verse. I'm pretty sure what he's talking about is John 8:44. Okay. Um, so if if anyone's interested, they could look it up. I'd recommend you read like, well, I mean the whole chapter would be great, but at least from like uh, 39 to 47 versus 39 and 47, just get, to get the context of um, why he's saying that and who he's talking to. Um, no, I'm sorry, not 39. Well, yeah, thir- I mean, yeah, 31 probably. But anyways, yeah. You going to read it? Oh, <laughs> sure. Um <laughs> okay uh let me um for example in verse 39 it says they answered and said unto him abraham is our father jesus saith unto them if you were abraham's children you would do the works of abraham but now you seek to kill me a man that had told you the truth which i have heard of god this did not abraham you do the deeds of your father then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So I, he may have, a, I'm, if his point was, and I can agree with this, if his point was that um, people use that verse to justify the persecution of Jews, I, I could see for sure. I mean, yeah, definitely. People are going to read the Bible and not understand it, as, as Christ said there, and um, and misapply it. For sure. Well, what I what I found interesting is he basically says, like, no, you're not Jews. Like, you're not the sons of Abraham. If you were the sons of Abraham, you would you would not seek to kill me. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, was the, maybe, maybe was, I maybe yeah. my hackles rose uh, in in uh, a little too early. He may have been just saying that that people use this. As well, in playing it back, it. in playing it back, he he says it in a very how do I say? Um, concrete way he says there is a, a verse in mark um john. that that or john wh- i thought he said mark no it was johnny he he said okay. john um, okay okay but yeah it's johnny yeah. um but he basically says that this verse says 
that uh you know <laughs> Jews are you know whatever from right, the devil. Right. He he said it in three or four words and he didn't phrase it kindly or or in a, any kind of nuance. Um so anyways, that's yeah, that's a little bit unnerving but again he did tell us his bias like he's jewish whatever um i'm not saying this man is not a generally reasonable man though not quite yet uh oh, okay <laughs> not not <I'm> yet not, <laughs> not yet i don't know i mean i i feel like well whatever we'll watch the rest i feel like it's okay. an informative video like i think they cover the topic well but there's some weirdness about the delivery at times that's all i'm saying okay sure yeah is it uh, is the term dehumanization relevant to I'm thinking back a few months now during the coronavirus pandemic, the uh, lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, did, gave this viral interview. I think it was on Fox News where he said something about, listen, uh, I, I would be willing to sacrifice myself. I think grandma or, or so to speak, something like that. The, they're willing to sacrifice themselves for the good of the economy by which he really meant the stock market. <laughs> Is that a sort of dehumanization that we've seen during coronavirus of when you see a number, 4,000 died or 3,000 died, and you just sat in your house and worked from home, it doesn't really feel that, that, that difference of 1,000, you don't feel it in any real way. It seems like that's a form of dehumanization. Some, pe some people would call it dehumanization. I prefer a very fine-grained notion of what dehumanization is. So there are a bunch of related attitudes, but you see, I think if we're to understand what I consider the most toxic form of these attitudes, which I reserve the term dehumanization for, we need to get a good understanding of how it works. Otherwise, we, we don't have a chance in hell of dismantling it, mm. right? So I call, would call that callousness. And of course, what he's saying, in fact, is he's willing to sacrifice the lives of life of grandma. Right. Grandma isn't speaking there. Are, th are there uh, things you've observed during the pandemic? subtle dig yeah yeah okay so <laughs> they're still of the mindset that if you're anti anti-jab anti-mask anti-lockdown that you are a grandma killer they're just taking that as as an assumption that you don't care about grandma right yeah which is telling yeah it's just this is very interesting to me again these guys seem like halfway intelligent well-spoken guys but these little these little things they're like they're still blind to the fact that calling people anti-vaxxers is in itself probably the most dehumanizing thing they did mm. if you don't if you ask me and like denying people essentially equal rights to travel and this and that um just in in the hindsight of 2023 this this 2021 video is interesting because I like I agree with a lot of what they're what they're discussing, just not the examples that they're using. Right, their application is uh, is a little different. Yes, yeah. Pandemic that you would apply the term dehumanization to? Oh yes, yes, yes. So what's gone on in this pandemic, as is typical, by the way, of earlier pandemics, is uh, xenophobia. So the pandemic is is blamed on others, racial others, because race and dehumanization are very closely tied together. And then when you start talking about people as diseased, as dangerous outsiders, 
you are either well on the way towards dehumanization or actually there. You see, it's, it's, it's not regarded as especially acceptable to call people demons and monsters anymore. So we have substitute terms. They're diseased, they're criminal, they're dangerous, they're bad to the bone. And what we get in this pandemic and in previous pandemics is an upsurge in that kind of feeling, which has historically led to all sorts of, of horrible things. It seems as though dehuman. So racism's the, the main driver, apparently. I got to change out my walkout song. Hmm. Bad to the bone. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want to be known as some kind of uh, xenophobe, right? Right, right. I, mm. I, he had a point that was interesting, and I made a note of it. Yeah. Why is race so often tied to this concept? Well, so, I don't know. so go ahead. I, I don't know. That was it. Oh, you, you don't know. <laughs> That's all I know. He, he, I mean, he does. Yeah. He has a good point. It often you is. Know. Well, and he, um, well, I'm thinking he's like, he's got half a point where there was some, you know, Trump calling it the China virus and this and that that led to some Asian hate. I'm not going to deny that that happened, even though they probably over blew it and like made a thing of it in the news and made it worse as a result. Cause that's what they like to do. Um, but yeah, just the focus immediately on sort of xenophobia as the main problem. It's like, I don't know. It's just, of course, like hindsight's just insane, but it, to me, it's it's absurd that they would ever blame the people who didn't want to stop going to work and shit like that for being grandma killers without even showing half an interest of trying to, uh, you know, put responsibility on like those who actually caused it, which now I have a list of, you know, a couple that I blame for the most like responsibility of where this virus originated like does that not matter to these people at all it's still i, I don't know it's like they have the di the dissonance it's like yeah authoritarian government is part of it but it, it's like it's racists that that cause it mostly right i don't know i don't know i'm not it, being it, very clear it's interesting but. because i was gonna just mention earlier that how how i agreed with his point about reserving the use of the word dehumanization for the worst examples of it mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and then and then he suddenly jumps to well xenophobia and and like you're saying that seems a little um out of balance mm -hmm. but i would point out that um that's something that can be and i agree with his point that it's like we shouldn't just dehumanization shouldn't become a term for something we don't like just like Nazi or leftist, right? That just means mm -hmm. I don't like this person and I don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. So um, my point being that, that it is possible for people of all persuasions or viewpoints to uh, use the term for uh, minor examples. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Just as sure. we're saying, hey, um, you know, calling it the China flu while not polite, that's not inherently. It, you're right. It's not inherently hateful if it's in fact yeah. factual. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's not ad hominem if it's true. No, I'm, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, 
But but in the same vein, it's also not dehumanizing for um, my my only uh, interaction with somebody. I was in the store and some guy from 30 feet away is like, oh, I'm glad to see you're being safe, protecting everybody. You know, if I was and I, of course, I wasn't wearing a mask. And so um, he's being I, sarcastic. He's being yes, a dickhead. Yeah. 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 He was just being a jerk. And I was I like. I wasn't going to, he's an old man. I'm like, okay. You know, and I walked off. It, I didn't want to like start anything. So I was just like, for me to say, oh, he was dehumanizing me. It's like, well, no, like that's a little bit of an exaggeration, I would say. Right. So it's possible for everybody to have that approach. It's not, it's, I don't want to just critique this guy and not acknowledge that um, even I could, could have the same uh, fault failing. You know, I want to, back to this video but i think i'm going to switch to a different one just to give an example of I, what something i believe is just like brutally dehumanizing um and it's from jimmy kimmel go figure oh okay here we go there's a new doll in town and the fun is contagious it's anti-vax Barbie. She's strong. She's independent. She doesn't trust science. Bill Gates is the antichrist. Vaccines have Satan's blood. <laughs> Barbie comes with a computer so she can do her own research. Says here, Moderna turned her teeth Jewish. Take your Barbies everywhere. Shopping. I'm sorry, you can't come in here without a mask. I have a medical condition. Oh, 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 I'm recording this pitch and you're going to jail to the stable. Okay, so I'm just going to pause to tell the audience who can't see this, who are just listening. Barbie had a different t-shirt on with different like anti, anti quote unquote anti-vax, uh, you know, like memes or, you know, phrases, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and that little scene where she's in the grocery store, she just somebody calls her out for not wearing a mask and she just assaults the person. Right. Like, which is just so absurd. Like, which, nobody which happened all the time. Of course. Yeah. No, it, no. The only <laughs> examples of that would have been in reverse where right. people people who refuse to put a mask on get assaulted. Right. Uh, which was I saw bunches of, of videos like that. Um, and it was so ironic because it's like if you're really scared of getting sick. Don't you want to stay six feet away? Like, come on. Right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Have a little self-awareness here, you know? Who's who's in the wrong by by degrees at the end right. of this scenario? Like the guy who didn't want to put a diaper on his face or the person who physically assaulted. Like, <laughs> right, right. It's almost funny in hindsight now, but not really. All right, let's watch the rest of Anti-Vax Barbie. Jesus Christ. Thank you for sharing your medicine, Dancer. Oh, Dancer's a horse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's this great. is. And on the plane. She's restrained on the airplane because, of course, she made a scene, so they had to restrain her. All the other, like, Kens and Barbies are being good with their face masks and she has duct tape across her mouth and is duct taped to the chair. Um, so this is what they wanted for uh, people who refused the jab, right? Right. Oh my God. It's, it's so dehumanizing. And the only mandate this Barbie cares about is with her proud boyfriend, Ken. 
Ken's wearing a um, God. Ken's wearing a Let's Go Brandon shirt, and Barbie is wearing a Johnson and Johnson and Johnson or Satan and Satan shirt. Sorry, babe, can't hear you. Alex Jones is talking about monoglobal antibodies. They're making yeah. They're, oh my God, making fun of <laughs> making fun of monoclonal antibodies. Like when that was actually a pretty good treatment, as far as I heard, you know, it's like, what is happening? That's Barbie exclusively available in Florida and Kentucky. Barbie dreams that the later sold separately. Available at Walgreens. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Wow is the right fucking word. I can't believe I hadn't seen that till today. I found that today. I'm like, oh my God. Wow. That is wild. (laughs) <laughs> it it does make me okay so to self-critique here for a second and not like in a communist socialist like uh struggle against session but just like a reality we we because or i because of my viewpoint i can look at that and see the falseness in it i can say um well in my experience and this is true uh, for like when she was re- showing they showed a restraint in the airplane i didn't see any physical outbursts by somebody not wearing a mask. I didn't see anybody flipping over a shopping cart and punching a um, uh, checker, right? So I can say, well, none of that happened. It's possible that, because, and and I've seen videos for sure of um, like somebody walking up behind someone not wearing a mask and dumping a bucket of water on them in Walmart or something. I've seen videos like that. It Mm -hmm. is possible that the people who are uh, pro-science in their experience, they also never saw any of the bad actors that um, at least purportedly were on their side. Does that make sense? So it's possible that both sides are seeing, um, seeing videos and stuff that support their viewpoint and, and whether ignoring or just it doesn't come up to them. Um, they don't see videos of the uh, actions of the other side. You know, in my experience, I didn't actually see any physical outburst by anybody. I mean, as far as my experience, it was just, hey, there's a lot of people wearing masks. I'm not, um, you know, I, I heard of some instances of people yelling at somebody or something, but I didn't really, it was kind of casual and relaxed to a huge extent. Does that make sense? I ain't sure, knocking. Sure. I'm just saying like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. our experience that we're talking about here, it's possible that the libs, the wacko libs have the same experience. And they're like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. That never happened. You know? Yeah. You're giving, you're giving them, you're giving them a lot of credit. (laughs) I know. If I'm I'm being honest, because where do we, where do we, where do we give, where do we get our uh, source material? Right. We get it from the mainstream. Like all the alternative podcasts are, are sourcing like stuff from CNN, from Fox, from MSNBC, you know, it's not like they're it's not like they're cherry picking, I don't think. I mean, have you ever sat down and watched like an hour of the national news? Like it's it's horrible. It's horrible, man. So yeah. so it's not like you know, I could see the argument being like the algorithm feeds you what you want to see, right? Maybe yeah, but, sure, maybe that's more what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, as far as all like the I don't know. You, I guess you'd say the Reddit clips and the the YouTube videos and the stuff that goes viral. Um, 
I just don't think there was any of that really as far I, you know, again, could be my bias, could be the algorithm, but the, it seemed pretty much kind of one-sided in general. Like, right. Sure. Yeah. That's my experience also from what I saw. I just, yeah. you know, like, and from who I know and what we did, the people that wanted to just be left alone, just wanted to be left alone. The people that were right. pissed at those people were the ones that instigated a hundred percent of the time. Damn near. I'm not going to say a hundred, but you get my drift. 90 high nine really close yeah really yeah. close yeah um so let's let's go back to this other clip actually actually i want to show you one more jimmy kimmel okay. um, <laughs> this I one's <laughs> this one's pretty pretty fucking insulting too you know hang on okay a message for people who don't want the COVID vaccine from America's doctors, right? Brought to you by Jimmy Kimmel. More than 100 million adults in the United States are now fully vaccinated, which is good. But unfortunately, more than one in four say they are not planning to get the vaccine ever. 26% of Americans are planning to skip the shot altogether, which is crazy to me. I get that people are skeptical of, politicians or celebrities telling them what to do but we should listen to doctors these are men and women who've been on the front lines of this thing risking their lives to save ours and they're frustrated and who could blame them if we don't get more people vaccinated we could see new mutations of this virus and go through this all over again so as a public service we ask some real doctors to offer their best advice to those who are on the fence about the vaccine and pay attention because this is important i'm a doctor i'm a doctor an actual medical doctor. I've practiced medicine for 21 years. I am a critical care nurse. I've been a nurse for 16 years. I spent four years in undergraduate school, then four years in medical school, and then another five years as a resident in emergency medicine. Look at all of my diplomas. I work. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, already, already it's horrible. It's Just so. It's so the the appeal to authority fallacy, like, yeah, to the to the fucking maximum. I went to school for this many years. Look at my degrees. I'm a doctor. And and the whole <laughs> passive aggressive attitude too is just like, uh huh. Just just say what you got to say. You don't need to. I mean, they're oh, starting don't worry. angry already. Don't worry. They they say exactly what they want okay. to say. <laughs> okay. Oh my I'm sure god. They do. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. For the second job to put myself through nursing school. I'm 53 now, and I won't have my student loans paid off till well after I retire. I can name every organ in your body and tell you exactly what it does. Did you know there are between 60 and 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body? I know that because I've studied human bodies. Did you know the human body has 205 bones? Well, you're wrong. It's actually 206. Go fuck yourselves. Like, oh my God, they're being so condescending. Did you know that the, who gives right. a fuck how many bones I have? Just you're the guy that sets it when it breaks, which doesn't take a fucking rocket scientist. I mean, there are intelligent, like very, there are very good doctors, but just like anything else, man, the, you know what they call the guy that gets C's and D's through med school? A doctor. Do doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah good for them they know this stuff that's great i mean yeah. i'm not gonna lie i didn't know how many miles of blood vessels i've got in my body but that do you, so what 
do you like really care? To, yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm sure it's relevant to something, but if I go sure. to a car mechanic, I'm not going to be like, all right, buddy, how many bolts are in this car? You know, <laughs> I'm going to be like, can you fix my car? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the, the authority is in his success, not in, mm. um, not in what he can tell me about the knowledge necessarily. Right. It's funny you bring so, up mechanic. It's funny you bring up mechanics, dude, because I always thought like mechanics were super underrated for their skills. You know, a mm. good me- a good mechanic yep. is not so dissimilar from a doctor. I'm not I'm not trying to over glamorize it or under glamorize, you know, the medical profession. But I'm just saying, dude, like there's professors at universities that are half retarded you know like there's you go to the upper echelon like career group and you still have what's kind of i forget the exact wording but the um there's like a law of mediocrity sort of how like the nail that doesn't stick out right doesn't get nailed Mm. down sure it's 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 often the highest uh of the bell curve and the lowest that sort of i don't know get get kicked sure like you, th- yep. you think about like i i think like dr peter mccullough is a good example you know one of the greatest cardiologists like most most published like up until recently highly revered and now everybody's like calling him a quack even though he's like what he's like the only guy seeing what's really going on you know right or, or the that other doctor who recently was getting dragged on Twitter for because he was on Rogan and he wouldn't go on or something. I don't remember his oh, name. I don't care. Yeah, but um, he's kind yeah, of the bottom of the bell curve, right? Right, right. Yeah. He's he's the epitome of the guy who goes along to get along, right? He's right. the guy that sure. his success is based on following, not leading, right? Okay, I'm going to play the rest of this because it, it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> How can it, dude? <laughs> I did know that because I'm a doctor. Did you know that eating raw ginger cures cancer? You did? Good, because it doesn't. I've saved people's lives. I've cracked open a chest and manually beat a human heart. I even delivered some babies in the back of cars. Do you know how many people have shown me weird skin things at parties and asked me if they were dying? Too many. My life is spent trying to improve and save yours. Oh, but you read something on Facebook? Your friend from high school who sells jewelry? She posted it? The one who's 53 and still builds dollhouses? You heard what? On whose podcast? Is he a doctor? No. Scientist? No. Can he name one of the ingredients in the vaccine? Can he point to his gabella? Then tell him to shut the up. The gabella's right here. By the way, from that polio shot we gave your kid and then your kid not getting polio, well, those two things are related. How about this? You do your job, I'll do mine. Get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Just get the vaccine. Grow the up and get the vaccine. Very professional, right? Very professional of these people. (laughs) There's just like maybe 10 more seconds. Your friend on Facebook to stick to jewelry. Brought to you by people who are smarter than we are. Okay, that's a subtle little twist of words. Subtle, or uh, they say smarter than we are. We right. as in, I guess, all of us who aren't 
doctors. Nobody who's not a doctor is as smart as a doctor. Right. 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 Yeah. Oh my God. Like it's, it's subtle, but it's definitely, I would say dehumanizing. Right. I mean, it's not even that subtle. It's not even that subtle. It's not a, it's not an outright call to like, you know, they never, they never use the word animal or monster. Well, I'm not going to say never people probably did, but to de- to describe quote unquote anti-vaxxers, but it was implied mm, when they yeah. say it, when they say it, there's a certain tone that you know what they mean is other, you know, less than fucking stupid. They used lots of, lots of words. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you, yeah, when you have to resort to ad hominem, um, maybe your your argument doesn't have a good foundation. Mm-hmm. But like, so my whole point and what I I don't want to get too far off into like, how right, we, okay, right, how we were treated. You know, I, this is a little bit fun and cathartic just to be like, see how mean you were. But um, you know, I want to recognize too that it goes both ways, right? There seems sure. to be this cycle of the dehumanized being the dehuman being the dehumanizers, right? It keeps going round and round. Like they de- they demonize me, so I'm going to demonize them. I might right. use the word demonize from now on cuz it's less syllables, but it basically main- means the exact same thing. Um so obviously like we got angry or you know, I did uh for how quote unquote anti-vaxxers were treated so it's kind of like well fuck you too you know and hence we get the like npc you know boot liquor um whatever you know automaton whatever fucking like words you want to use an analogy you know it's uh it's all the same really like we don't want to keep doing this right <gasps> I don't yeah, think yeah. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good. Break the cycle, you might say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Although, you know, I don't think I quite have had my jollies off yet. I'm gonna play you one more. This is Don Lemon. Okay. <laughs> this is more YouTube than I've watched in a long time, so I'm down yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Um, I just screwed up something, but here we go. Oh man, I'm I'm failing. Just a moment. There we go. Oh goodness gracious! Sure. Sorry screen. about this. No, I I just accidentally I just accidentally like pulled a window out of my tab list and it oh. just sent it like sent my whole screen into chaos and I just couldn't right. quite get it. But here we go. I'm almost there. <laughs> Might edit that out, but that's okay. President Biden has decided he's going to go after Republican governors, accusing them of trying to undermine his vaccine mandate, which will entail force businesses with more than 100 employees to require their own short-staffed people to get the shot or undergo weekly COVID testing, but also keep an eye at the door to make sure everybody coming through has a vax card. That's how it's rolling out. All right, so this is Fox News covering... um, I don't know how this plays out. It's it's coming. Okay. Here. The president claims Republicans are the issue, 
but at Quinnipiac poll finds 51% of Americans disapprove of his mandate. Some in the mainstream media are reporting and following President Biden's lead with this us versus them approach. Take a look. I think we have to stop coddling people when it comes to this and the vaccine saying, oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. The people who aided and abetted Trump are stupid because they believed his big lie. The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the Internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. Because they are keeping the majority of Americans behind. You want to leave black and brown people behind, too, there, Don Lemon? Because they also make up a healthy percentage of those people who have decided that right now they're going to remain unvaccinated. The hypocrisy here. My other favorite word starts with H, too. Anyway. <laughs> not gonna... All right. That was like a really bad joke there at the end. Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's that's what we got for like, I don't know how long, like over a year, right? And the guys in that video uh, that I suppose we can go back to, they they talk about the the need for propaganda to create this environment, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't, you know, it's like, here, here, we'll just listen to these guys some more because, again, I think there's a whole lot of little subtle things that come out of these guys' mouth. The rhetoric of dehumanization probably has some specific overlap with authoritarian regimes and authoritarianism. Is, is it, it, can we, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So there are two ways that, well, I think the first question to, to address is why dehumanization in the first place? And the reason I believe is that human beings being highly social animals have difficulty performing acts of lethal or even sublethal violence to one another. We're just equipped with these inhibitions. Uh, but those are very inconvenient. <laughs> oh, can you pause it for a sec? Yes, and external. <clears throat> so that's interesting because I, I did make a note of this um, that kind of, I kind of agree with this a little bit. Um, I recently had to put a dog down, right? Yeah. I didn't tell myself he's killing the chickens in order to justify it. Cause that wasn't true. He was just old and needed to be put down. Right. If I, and this was, this was an action that while sad for sure was understandable and justifiable. If I needed to tell myself a lie in order to justify my action, then there's either a problem with me or with the action. Yeah. Right. The problem or both. Or both. I mean, really or, both or both. Sure. In this instance, yeah. the problem would be with me. I mean, the, the dog needed to go. It was his time, etc. Um, so if I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. This is a terrible dog. It'd be like, well, that's my fault. That's my problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I forget exactly what he said that, that triggered this thought. But he was basically saying the same thing, that that it's an attempt to to get around our bad feelings over this action. Yes. Maybe the action's not justified. You know that's mean? why that, that's why people describe it as a survival instinct at least when they're going to war and shit right like they put you on a battlefield right. and you got to fight whoever it is you know it's it's almost at that point it's survival just to have to like not go insane with guilt especially if it's not a justifiable war right 
This right. is only this is only necessary if you're doing something that is not justifiable. I totally agree. Like I think that's what you're what what you're saying in in essence. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's why they that's why they want us at each other's throats, I suppose, is so that you know, it's it's for the sake of domination. You know, it's like if we can if we can turn the population against one another, they're not going to notice what we are doing, what we are doing. Sure. I, you know, I don't know. Let's see what else these little guys have to say. Terminate others. Um, so as I said, people in positions of power of authority can tell us, you know, these others, they might look like you and me, they might look like human beings, but really deep down where it counts on the inside, they're something else. And that is absolutely typical of authoritarian going on fascist propaganda. If, uh, it, it seems almost like a tool that's necessary for such a regime to advance its its propaganda to uh, you talked about the role of propaganda and dehumanization early. It seems that for, for authoritarian regimes, that dehumanization of the other is is necessary for them to advance their goals. It's certainly extremely helpful. I would say maybe near necessary. Mm. I hesitate to say anything is necessary, but it's it is certainly it is certainly helpful. Sometimes the dehumanizing ideology is distributed through a community. So I, as I say in the first chapter of On Inhumanity, I grew up in the Deep South in the 50s and 60s, and there dehumanizing attitudes towards black people. They were, that was in the air you breathe. You didn't right. need a Rush Limbaugh, say, to prop. All right. Again, he's letting out little things that tell us his, his bias. Right, right. Because apparently Rush Limbaugh was like a massive racist. I don't know. That's like sort of news to me. I, I think he said spicy stuff about immigration and this and that. So they mm. probably painted him. But it's it is kind of ironic, right? Just if we can safely assume that he is one of these cats that thinks Trump was a fascist and Biden wasn't or isn't, mm -hmm. you know, that the whole system is not essentially like fascistic corporatocracy at this point. I mean, if I, I can't safely assume that necessarily, but I think we're seeing little bits of, you know, Trump derangement syndrome and, um, and that's like where they're coming from, but they don't, I guess, have the sight to see that the propaganda these days, you know, he keeps going back to basically blacks and Jews and like talks about the propaganda used back in, you know, in those times. Mm -hmm. I will play it out, but I don't think he gives any um, lip service to current modern um, propaganda, you know, via the mainstream media. So. That seems, like I said, like a glaring omission. Right, right. Propagate these things. What, what, how casual was the dehumanization when you were growing up in the South? Oh, it, it was just, it, it, just as, you know, we would, would say the sky is up and the earth is down. Black people who were not referred to by that word, sure. by the way, uh, were seen as filthy, subhuman animals. I mean, that was kids in my high school would brag about hunting black kids with their BB guns on weekends for sport. 
Mm. That's that's uh, and do you rem what was the was there a gradual transition out of that that aligned with the civil rights era, 1964 Civil Rights Act? What, did it lag that? It, it, you know, there's a gradual transition, but also a re-entrenchment. I mean, mm. these things have not gone away still, right? We like to think about the New South, but these are, these things take a very, very, very long time to change, right? They, they do not disappear quickly. They can remain latent, relatively invisible for a long period of time. And then the social environment changes a little bit. Someone in power, like our, our former president, gives permission for certain kinds of attitudes and bang, you know, the Confederate flags are out. What, um, where, where do things like uh, eugenics and phrenology play? So he, here's my pet peeve. When he said, um, and, and this could be anybody talking about any former president, but he said, when our former president gives permission for certain kinds of attitudes, again, that's transferring responsibility from mm -hmm. the individual mm -hmm. to some authority structure. You cannot, and I'm, I'm hot on this topic because I've just been arguing about it on Twitter with um, some people or some accounts, who knows if they're people. Um, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot assign responsibility for your own actions to somebody else. That's not logical. Um, so hypothetically, uh, our former president gave permission for bad, um, uh, what do you, was it opinions? I don't remember exactly what he said. Um, uh, attitudes, maybe. Bad attitudes. Yeah, he basically, yeah. I mean, I think he just was advocating for censorship, which um, is funny coming from somebody that, that was just talking about the dangers of authoritarianism. Um, <laughs> like the irony right. here is pretty palpable at this point. Right. But let's say hypothetically that a former president gave permission for actual, genuinely bad attitudes, right? That does not remove responsibility mm -hmm. from the individuals who act, who uh, act on those bad attitudes. The, there could be some fault that lies with an authority figure who, quote, gives permission. Um, that's mm -hmm. for sure. There's um, there is an element of truth there, but they're assigning um, the majority of the responsibility to a centralized structure, which demonstrates that they have no interest in individual responsibility. You can't you can't assign responsibility to a group or to a the head of something. A responsibility is is assigned to those who do the action. Yeah. Right. So so sorry, pet peeve. Um, but yeah, again, a subtle dig at our former president. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. just say his name, dude. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> and like again, this 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 was recorded right on the heels of January sixth. So I almost think they're coming at this with the perspective oh. of like MAGA people. Sure. sure. Are the D are the dehumanizers, right? Sure. And Which once again, once again, they're almost just blatantly missing the point in that they turn around and dehumanize the people that I, that they think are the dehumanizers. And round and round and round we go. Right. And they even reference the dehumanizing of the dehumanizers. Yeah. <laughs> it's but like, they, that's what you're but doing. But that's right. what they're doing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly, dude. Again, it's in subtle ways. Like, at no point do they out overtly dehumanize MAGA or anti-vaxxers or anything like that. But it's like there's something of, of, of a glaring 
series of, of omissions. It's the only way I can describe it because the little comments speak volumes and the ignoring, right. the ignoring of the treated treatment, like I said, of unvaccinated Americans in this video, when they're talking about dehumanization in 2021, the fact that they don't mention it, even if they tiptoed around and didn't use, you know, the big COVID word or anything like that, the complete lack of lip service to those people at that time when they were being pressured, you know, kicked out of their jobs right after they'd closed all the churches and forced people to wear masks, and, you know, all this crap, the OSHA, you know, this is probably during the litigation of like the OSHA mandates. Actually, no, that was a Biden thing. Although he might have done it pretty much right away once he got into office. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly, but I don't know. Any thoughts before I hit play? Uh, the, the only uh, you, you, you pushed me back up on my soapbox again. Yeah, uh, the yeah, the thing ahead. about forcing people to wear masks. Yes, I agree. I understand, um, you know, people, there was a lot of external pressure, but again, the, the decision to comply with, with X uh, regulation was an individual decision you you were uh it's possible i'm not i'm not gonna say it's impossible it's possible that someone was actually literally forced to comply with a regulation or some sort of um covid related something right as a rule though and again i'll admit that there can be exceptions to this but as a rule um compliance with the regulations was a personal decision there may have been overwhelming reason for it. Maybe you said, um, I need to provide for my family. And if I cannot work, they're going to die, right? That's possible. I, I won't deny that. But again, it was your personal decision to comply with whatever this regulation or rule or whatever was. So for example, like people said, ah, you know, I had to wear a mask to go to the store. It's like, well, you could have Maybe, and maybe they did. You could have just attempted walking in the store and see what happens. Um, or you could have just not shopped there. So it was, it was your decision. It may have been, um, again, it, I, I see it as an attempt to transfer responsibility, even if it's to a small extent. Does that make sense? And, and again, it can be perfectly understandable. All our liberties that we choose to not exercise could be for a very legitimate reason, or at least an understandable one, that maybe everybody's making that choice. You know, I, my car is does have uh, federal or not federal state registration, right? That's a liberty that I'm choosing to not exercise because of the cost to myself. But if I say, oh, I was forced to uh, register my car. Well, that's actually not true. I, there was a threat of force, but I wasn't right, right. forced to, right? So so minor point, um, but I just, uh, my hackles raised and I had to say something. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I mean, you, make a, you make a good point. <clears throat> I uh, yeah, I don't have much to add, but uh, let's see what else. There's about, I don't know, three minutes left, four minutes. Into this, because on the one hand, you know, stuff about measuring skull ratios and all this stuff, it in a sense, it's very human in that we're looking at the minutia of of the characteristics of the human form, but the, its its use seems to be dehumanizing. Well, it's, it's actually a, a bit worse than that. So if we look at the history of scientific racism in the United States, yeah. during the period when these practices were beginning to flourish, eugenics is a bit later, but certainly the skull measurement uh, work, the 
premier scientific authorities in the country described black people as literally another species. Hmm. There were learned um, papers on, on this and mixed race people were seen as literally as hybrids between different species. So these, see, you see there, the, the dehumanizing attitude is endorsed by scientific authority. It could be scientific authority, it could be political authority. It's, you know, there was just enough nuance in this video the first time I watched it where I'm like, are they hinting at the, the, the science tyranny or the medical tyranny that we are going through mm. or are they ignoring it entirely? Right. Because of, because of every little point they make, I'm like, you're describing 2021. Right, right. You're describing it right now, but I don't know if you're getting it. It to to his most recent point there, it's like Ace often says, that's the advantage of being an anarchist, is I can say, yes, that's also bad. Right. When somebody yeah. says, Well, what about this thing? It's like, well, that's also bad. Yeah, I, I agree mean, with you there. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's a bad like, thing. That yeah. doesn't mean this bad thing is now good. It means they're both bad. <laughs> so it might seem like a stretch, but I don't know if you've watched They Cloned Tyrone. Mm, have you heard no. about have you heard about this movie? I just nope. had to watch it because it's like the rumors about Jamie Foxx being a clone right now are hilarious. And, oh. and he, this movie just came out. Like he, he just resurfaced. This movie just came out and I'm like, okay, so there's a movie about cloning with Jamie Foxx in it. And everybody's like, Jamie Foxx died. And this is his clone. Cause his clone like looks weird as hell. And all this. Oh, and they're saying the movie's like predictive programming or something. It's like predictive programming shit. Like Hollywood, (laughs) Hollywood has too much money wrapped up in the name Jamie Foxx to let him die, kind of thing. Uh, And and the just like I almost recommend people watch this movie. And I'm I'm drawing a connection with this video because it's interesting. There are some really good ideas. But then, like, the subtext is super fucked up and, like, bullshit. Like, basically, it goes from, like, the government is, like, cloning people secretly. And, like, I won't describe it all. I'll try not to do any spoilers. But it ends up at, like, um, basically, the whole idea behind the cloning program is, um, how do I describe? Not eugenics, but it's, like what's the word replacement theory man like the bad guy just like the bad guy wants to make everybody white you know oh oh seriously holy cow yeah so <laughs> how, there's just how like, on the nose can you get yeah it's like it's kind of a mind bender because it's just like i don't know man it's like this it's like this clip compelling smart in a lot of ways right makes some like good good observations of people and like society but almost just like misses the whole point of its own message in the end if you catch my drift like oh sure it's like that woke mind virus just corrupts it that 20 percent or 10 percent that you almost don't notice like the deeper message is super fucking 
yeah, it, I, that's all I can say about it. I guess it's hard to describe, but it's a, it's a, I'll say an entertaining movie at, if nothing else. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. I'll play the rest. Anyone who has that kind of influence. Right. Yeah. I mean that, that makes, and I know you write about this in the book. It, it brings me to the topic of climate change and climate science. Yeah. What, what do you see? Maybe to the audience, it's not obvious the connection between dehumanization, the way we've talked about in authoritarian regimes and, and so on, and the connection to climate change. Yeah, well, uh, the, the aspect of climate change that's most salient for me in my work on dehumanization is that I think catastrophic climate change, which I don't think anyone's going to do anything about. I think we're well too late for that. And there's insufficient motivation despite the fine words that are, are said, is going to create a situation which is a perfect storm for really dangerous forms of dehumanization. Hmm. There will be refugee problems like the world has never known. You know, when, when the population of Bangladesh spills into India, <laughs> um, and uh, resources run short and infrastructures break down. This is going to generate intense xenophobia. And I would put good money on dehumanizing rhetoric. Once again, once again, I like 80% agree, okay? Except for the scenario in which he's playing out, which is catastrophic catastrophic climate change right where, where the sea levels rise rapidly and people are you know climate refugees and he's uh he's an alarmist he's a he's a you know he's he's giving away his his position his bias he he clearly has certain concerns and like i i agree that if there was some sort of catastrophe i'm not you know i'm more inclined to say like grid failure you know <sighs> than catastrophic you know weather we gotta we gotta make the weather better um, right. <laughs> i mean like i i agree with how people behave in in his described scenario i just you know it's like he's clearly oh, sure yeah he's showing his hand i guess yeah i, w I would just chuckling because it's like what what hot topic are they not going to address in this clip? You know, oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Racism, xenophobia, um, right. you know, everything except for COVID tyranny, everything except. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're really mm -hmm. dancing around that one kind of, to me, seems like a salient topic at the time. Pretty, Agreed. pretty uh, relevant. Pretty relevant. Pretty relevant. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know for certain that this was, it was uploaded two years ago. I, I don't know if oh. it was recorded 10 years ago, but I doubt it just based on the style of it that, you know, sure. this is a, this is a webinar. I, this, this was probably posted when it was recorded, but right. I, right. I can't say I know that for sure. So here we go. Of the worst, most genocidal sort. Is the only way to prevent it, to prevent the climate refugees from becoming refugees? I mean, is it now that I say that though, they did reference COVID earlier just not COVID tyranny. So right, just, right, right. just, to, just to clear that up. And he did refer to Trump as a former president. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was talking about Trump there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm forgetful. There we go. Here it is. What, what is, 
if that happens, is there yeah. really any way to prevent what you're describing? I'd, I'd like to know. And I'd like to, th I'd like to think that there is. Yeah. We're human beings. We can, we can change our behavior. Uh, but we have to know about it. We have to be aware of it. We have to be vigilant. And there have to be policies in place to help us. And uh, I just don't think we're awake enough to the possibilities to take the sorts of steps which will be necessary. That's one reason I wrote the book. Right? All right. I'm, I'm just going to comment on the fact that he said, <clears throat> let's see, we need policies right we need oh. policies to protect us we can we can change our behavior uh but we have to know about it we have to be aware of it we have to be vigilant and there have to be policies in place to help us and uh daddy government save me from authoritarianism <laughs> like what that. like what dude right right i just don't think we're awake enough you got that right bub to the possibilities to take the sorts of steps which will be necessary. That's one reason I wrote the book, right? Dehumanization is an ongoing problem. And to do something about it, we have to understand it. We have to understand how it works, why we are all vulnerable to dehumanizing propaganda and what steps we might be able to take to at least constrain it. The uh censorship daddy censorship right. <laughs> that's oh, basically boy. the end of that yeah i mean again it's like they didn't say anything overtly that i would necessarily like judge them too harshly for it's just the tiptoeing around stuff that i'm like there's something a little fishy here i just don't think they see their own hypocrisy given the little the little hints at their at their political bias um it's just anybody that can't like recognize yo like republicans do it to democrats democrats do it to republicans man and like everybody in between that gets caught in the crosshairs like this is this is i mean maybe i'll agree with his point you know you were kind of inclined to disagree that what he said at the beginning, you're like, you're more willing to put the blame on the shoulders of the individuals. I suppose, I suppose it depends on the situation. Like if this was truly just two autonomous tribes that end up warring for no other reason that, that like they have dehumanized one another, um, that is on the shoulders of those individuals. But like when you have a world war two situation, with the propaganda coming out of it, if you have a COVID situation and the mm. propaganda coming out of it, I'd say the majority of the, I mean, it's maybe 50, 50. Yeah. Like between the individual and the institution that it is seeking to create this division. Hmm. The, yeah. The, yeah. The, oh, I, I'm, yeah. and I'm not at all attempting to um, re, uh, mitigate or mitigate, uh, yeah. maybe mitigate that. Technically I might be mitigating it, but um Remove, I should say. I'm not trying to yeah. remove the responsibility on the part of the authority figure at all. Yeah, I'm just saying that that it is possible for both actors or multiple actors in a situation to be bad. It's not yeah. we can't just transfer all the responsibility to one person and be like, it's not just well, Trump's fault. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt exactly. about that. Yeah, which, or, which is... or I will say it's not uh, just Biden's fault. Right, there were yeah. people that acted um, on their own, and their actions are their responsibility. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
No, I, you know, if anything, it's probably like the Rothschilds and the Freemasons' fault and shit. You know, I don't know. Like they're the ones that want to like have a global, you know, empire. So yeah, well, well, to uh, to, uh, and this is I, I won't say state this as an accusation, um, but if if someone's looking for someone to get mad at, I'm right here. You can get mad at me. Um, uh, the maybe this is a question that the listeners should ask of themselves. To what extent did their participation or their, um, 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 not participation, um, power? Oh my gosh, no, they're, um, I'm retarded. They're yielding, they're going along with, I just can't think of the word, mm. but they're mm. yielding to COVID policies. To what extent did their actions, um, perpetuate? Yeah, the, and make them, and make, and make them complicit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm again, I'm not trying to throw, me on, throw anybody under the bus. I'm not judging right. any individual. I'm just saying if we're going to point fingers at people and say your actions um, perpetuated this system, and it could very well be true, mm-hmm. it would only be fair to look at myself and say, did my actions, did my, um, did something I do perpetuate and someone's like well I'm, I'm just one man it's like okay well yeah the person you're pointing at is one mm-hmm. man they may be a powerful man for sure and and have a lot of authority and make people do things but again all those individuals also made their own decisions right so it's not it's not really fair maybe that's not the right word but it's not really fair to just point at one person even if it's somebody we disagree with we also need to say you know, what am, what am I doing to contribute to this problem? And maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you're, everything you're doing is contributing to a solution. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, don't get me wrong. But if somebody's like, uh, well, so-and-so um, is making this law. And then you're like, I had to wear a mask to, to keep my job. It's like, well, you also made a decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, the, you know, it's the greater, it's, it's the system. It's, I mean, it's everything combined. It's push and pull. It's a hundred percent action reaction you know this that and the other um or but, or somebody's like well i'm just one person it's like but you vote don't you right yeah well like, yeah you think that makes a difference <laughs> dude and and more and more like i'm starting to think about maybe the like <clears throat> excuse me sort of the whole idea that there's like a there is a spiritual effect of consenting to be governed right sort of that act of voting is a legal act of you know consent as opposed to like you said the, oh. the, the choice simply to withhold and not participate um sure i think there might be like a spiritual element there where i don't know george carlin you know he said it where it's like uh he was making a joke but it's kind of like you you'd say because i don't vote i don't have the chance or i don't have the right to complain He's like, it's the opposite. It's like, oh, he said that. Okay. I get to complain because I didn't participate in this, yet it affects me. Right. Right. Which is a decent point. You know, we kind of like painted Carlin to be kind of bogus recently. Um, you know, he was a complex human, though. Again, even the based in bogus game on WTF, mm-hmm. sort of a little touch dehumanizing of the people that we picked to cover. Now, I think if you're mm-hmm. a personality, you invite criticism. Like there's a fairness to that. Anybody willing to share ideas should be, you know, is basically consenting to be 
criticized for those ideas. Um, so I don't feel bad picking on Carlin, but if we were to do like based or bogus, you know, it's almost like the mean girls thing where they make like the, uh, you remember the, you know, did you ever watch mean girls? No, no, I don't get the reference. It's basically (laughs) all the, all the popular girls write like a, um, a burn book, they call it where they're just shitting on every girl that they go to school with. And it's super fucking dehumanizing. And then it's and then it's made public and just chaos erupts in the school, like fighting, like basically a riot breaks out because it's like, I told you not to tell anybody about oh. that. You know, all the rumors come out, all the rumors right. come out. Right. And um, I guess my point is that it. Oh, where did I start before I got to Mean Girls? Uh, being a public a, figure. Yeah, being, yeah. Being able it, to like critique them. I would never do a baster bogus for like my neighbor across the street, you know? Right, right, but I'll right. do one for fucking Matthew McConaughey. You know, it's like right. you can punch, you can punch up. I believe, right, right. Um, right. But we have to tread lightly. You know, when we do stuff like based or bogus, like it, you, you don't want to say anything outwardly dehumanizing about anybody, even those that are in the public eye and sometimes get it wrong. That's why I'm inclined to like be forgiving of anybody with some like clear irony or hypocrisy to their rhetoric like these guys, but I'll pick it apart and I'll like, I don't know, call them a little bit bogus for it, but I'm not going to say they're not like humans, you know, like I'm trying to avoid the whole, the whole NPC thing as much as possible, except, except for this perhaps. And I wonder if you've seen this on Twitter recently. Because it's pretty crazy. <laughs> These are what are called um, NPC TikTokers. This is real. This is real. You probably saw this and were wondering, is it as bad as I think? Yes. Oh, marshmallow. Crunchy corn. Yum. Kitty paws. <laughs> Welcome to TikTok's latest wholesome contribution to society. It's literally called the NPC trend. So simps spend actual money to buy TikTok tokens in the form of cartoon stickers, ice cream cones, donuts, roses, then NPC streamers react to receiving them with scripted catchphrases and repetitive sex robot style movements. Ooh, ooh, gang gang, gang gang, gang gang. At the end of the stream, when the NPCs cash out, some of them are making over $7,000 a day. That's after TikTok takes its 70% cut. The vast majority though aren't really making anywhere near that and are just badly copying the trend. Oh, I don't even want to look at this girl, but I had to pause it. Like this is almost too much for me to even look at. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, mildly agitated because I've actively <laughs> avoided watching those clips. <laughs> and he suckered me in. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it fits it fits the damn theme, man. This is what you know. It has to be. It has to be discussed. Um, right. So if you're listening on audio and you can't see what we're looking at, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It 
but it's a but, it's a it's a magnification of performative activity. Yeah, and yeah. just and I don't know, like Zoomer um, insanity, I guess. Like, mm. yeah, it's very much like, "Ooh, look at me! I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get likes." Right. And there's right. enough weird, you know, and essentially a lot of these people are like OnlyFans models. So there's some weird overlap there. They're basically trolling for for members on OnlyFans. And um, it's very disturbing to watch. They look like robots slash crazy people, like methed out. I mean, they're not methed out. They're just performing, but it's very methy because it's like jerky and like, like the guy said, kind of like sex robotic, like, Mm, uh, like yeah. they're they're trying to pretend you know for anybody that doesn't even know where the thing where the npc meme comes from it's like a player in a in a video game that you don't control it's a it's a character non-player character right it's right. it's one that just responds to the programming so the whole thing is they're being manipulated by their people commenting with these emojis so people are controlling them via TikTok. Right. And yeah. it's it's very weird. It's a very, I'd call like kink, fetish, weird, like bizarro, uh, like <sighs> perversion. I'll, I'll just use that word, perversion. Well, and, and you're familiar with the concept of the, of the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Normally that's approached from the, from the side of cartoons. Right, oh, but this is approaching this is approaching the uncanny valley valley from the side of humans. Jesus that Christ, sense? that's that's like the idiocracy idea, like right. where as right. our technology gets better, we get stupider, and we kind of hit this weird like crossing of the lines and the curve, and the whole world just is like stupid, like but we have enough technology to sustain us to a point, and everybody's just half cartoonish and. Yeah, dude, that's that's a disturbing idea. It yeah. really is. And I hope it stays as a bizarre trend and doesn't become more and more real, right? Right. More you know, sure. more and more prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to watch much more, but let's just do a little bit. A little bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> a whole generation with thousand yard stares, hopelessly addicted to a Chinese spy app, now literally behaving like robotic computer code to feed their narcissism adult dopamine dependence. If you only knew how bad things really are. They're a marshmallow. Crunchy corn, yum. Naturally, the legacy media, fresh from denouncing an anti-child trafficking movie, rush to their defense. Whenever they endorse something, you automatically know it's trash. Vice, the same publication that celebrates virtuous pedophiles, claims the trend has made a lot of people mad. Mad as in driven insane by cringe overdose, maybe. Mad angry? Not really. Most people are just wondering what the hell happened to Gen Z. One of the most high-profile progenitors of this slop is Cherry Crush, who calls herself an AI Tamagotchi. She's so childlike, cute, and innocent. Give her money. Oh, 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 oh. 
dog, yeah. And of course, it turns out she's an online sex worker and adult performer, otherwise known as a prostitute. Another top TikTok NPC live streamer, Pinky Doll, advertises a free sex tape once you subscribe. Mmm, ice cream's so good. Ooh, ooh. Okay, that's about all I can stand. Um, so just oh god, dude, like we're we're dehumanizing ourselves, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's that's the reason I brought it up, and it makes it hard not to refer to people as NPCs when they actively ask to be called them. You know, mm. that's yeah. a scary. It's a, I hope it's a short lived trend, but. It's sort of the selling your soul to the screen thing, man. Like people are entering the matrix voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I I'm uh, I'm I'm glad I was ignorant of that until now. <laughs> I know. Once you know, you once you see it, you can't unsee it, man. And right. I know they're doing it. They're doing it for money like I'm sure they don't behave that way all day long. But mm. I'm just waiting until there's a report of one of these people having like self-induced Tourette's after doing this for like enough hours. It just scrambles their brain and that's like all they they become a full-blown walking NPC with no right. other thoughts than like ice cream cone, ice cream cone, you know, kitty paw. It's like, "Oh my god. Oh my god, dude." Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to break that um, ignorance for you. But, you know, what it made me think of, did you ever watch, you know, I'm a bit of a, like, a bit of a movie and TV buff, right? Sure, sure. If you can't tell, I often find good references to this thematic stuff we're trying to do through TV and movies. And one of my favorite shows was Community. Um, pretty damn funny show. But the premise of this, I'm kind of showing you the last couple minutes of the episode, but they it, it takes place at a community college, right? And some techs, uh, tech startup guys come in to beta test a new app at their school. And they ask everybody to download the app. And the whole premise is that you rate the people you know. R-A-T-E, rate. Right, right. Okay, just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, and it's called, it's called Meow Meow Beans. Like, it's, it's so stupid, right? right? The only thing it allows you to, everybody signs up voluntarily, and your peers rate you one out of five Meow Meow Beans, which are basically little cat emojis, right? Okay. Now, keep in mind, this was filmed, I want to say, maybe six, seven years ago. Like, okay. I think the, the creator of this show is the same creator as Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Excuse okay. Me. And he's got a very dark, almost um, prophetic vibe to him. You know, it's almost like a twisted um, Simpson-esque ability to predict, predict trends in the future right but this feels a little bit on the nose with what we're looking at with these npc people um basically it creates just a dystopian world in this community college where everybody's fighting for um clout i guess you'd call it or status right everything is about how many meow meow beans you have like the average of all your of all right. your uh votes 
And like the people that get to five meow meow beans have like more say than people that only have one. So it's like a totally dystopian setting. And it's really hilarious. But here, I'll play the clip. That's about all the background you ought to know. Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) And do I? Okay, I'll just say she's like the leader of the ones. She's basically, she's like a total like communist revolutionary. Ah, okay. (laughs) Okay. You're right. Here we go correctly that as a five you felt you could park in handicapped spots well see that's just part of the cougar style it's human crap style right him all right they're basically at the point of let's say like the um the, the, the guillotine. yeah the guillotine thank yeah, you okay that's yes, what it looks gui- like yeah it's the point of the guillotine like the ones figured out a way to overtake the fives uh, okay they they convinced everybody that wasn't a one to become a one so that their quote unquote oneness uh, would oh. be enough uh, would be ah. enough collectively. Oneness, huh? Okay. Oh it's my so. Gosh. I mean, it's just so funny and on the nose. Um, right. I'll try not to interrupt it too many times, but. Okay, but that's low. They're stripping all the fives all down fives to ones. Must yeah. be cleansed of their five filth and reduced to oneness. <laughs> Jeff, hey, Shirley, I'm not a five anymore. I'm a one like everyone else. I'm like everyone else. Who's next? All right, time to pull the plug. Mm. Oh, great mother of ones, mustard space savior. There is still a five hiding among us that has not been cleansed. Nonsense. All fives were reduced to oneness in the great purge of about two minutes ago. This five cheats. It never registered, yet was given a five from outside the system. Behold, the Meow Meow Beans app. Its beta test ended days ago. It's now available in the app store, 99 cents five stars this five lied to us used us judged us yet exempts itself from judgment and i'm pretty sure it's selling our information to spammers because i am getting a lot more email and trust me my penis needs no enlargement so how do you (laughs) cleanse a five that's unregistered delete it By the way, guys, it's a Saturday. Um, you're all in school for nothing. Go home and get some sleep. Go touch grass. Yeah, hold on. Just... No. no, wait. No, don't go. Where are you going? No. <laughs> I fucking love that show, dude. Wow. It's, it's funny as hell. Um, so yeah, I mean the point there, right? They would just a, a little bit of like nudging and this like weird introduction of like a caste system of sorts, popularity driven, uh, like the whole ecology of the school basically collapses into, uh, you know, this, this like horrible nightmarish scenario. Like, right. like you said, the guillotines come out and, um, I, you know, it's almost like, dude, with this TikTok shit, I don't believe it's the government's business to ban it, right? I don't believe that's how it should be handled. Sure. People people just need to sign the fuck out. If it gets too fucked up, man, just, just fucking bow out of that shit. 
Um, but you know, they, they've made this shit super powerful and addictive and like the, the, the trends are not in our favor, brother, as far as being full blown humans. Right. Again, I, you know, I don't even want to encourage thinking in terms of people not being human, but it is a little bit weird when technology is thrown into the mix. It's a whole nother factor. Mm. Yeah, I'm all to your point about banning TikTok. I'm always a little concerned when somebody says the solution to my problem is to get a, a force to use to, or to get a, a the state use typically to mm-hmm. use force on other people to get them to align with what I want to happen. It's like, well, that seems like that's a you problem. <laughs> you know, I need yeah, everybody yeah. to participate. It's like, well, that's not a very good solution, then, is it? If you have exactly. to force everybody to do what you want. <laughs> Exactly. I almost think that might have been part of the plot of this whole thing. Like, like the community mm. college, the community college gets paid to host this beta test. And because, you know, the community colleges broke all the time. They sure. have to, they have to do it. And like, everyone has to participate. It's almost like obligatory. Right. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, worth a watch. Um, I'm not sure what season or episode that's from, but it's pretty good. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Like, any thoughts? I know I've been like kind of dominating with the clips and stuff. I wanna, I wanna keep it open to anything you have to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, I did, I did kind of have one thing. Um, um, I wanted to say, and this, this, uh, this is kind of what's partly what sparked my whole interest or my whole the reason for my tweets on the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think they're often replies, but also just like I did just tweet some things. Um, speaking to our circle, mm-hmm. um, again, it's very easy to point fingers and I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, there's a lot of value in that, but speaking to our circles, um, one specific thing that I've noticed is, um, the whole wood chipper meeting, right? That is, yeah, yeah. um, there's dehumanization. And I've heard people literally say, you know, um, pedos are not people, they're not humans. And while and I know that the the knee jerk response was going to say, "Oh, you're supporting them." It's like, no, they are very bad people. Don't at all get me wrong. Um, mm-hmm. My thoughts on the subject are um, functionally similar to what people are saying, but the concept of a wood chipper is um, and and say especially saying that they're not humans, right? Again, yeah. if you need to say that a that a legitimately bad person is not human in order to feel good about your execution of justice, let's say, then you have a problem. Yeah. There's no need to, to lie to yourself in order to make this person a bad person. They're already a bad person. And if you're, if justice is being um, dispensed and you're lying to yourself to do it, then that's a you problem. Right. And also um, we would, I say I use we loosely. I, I'm not trying to define a particular group, but it, uh, we would often say um, torture is bad. Um, torture is unjustified. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just today I was listening to the Biden Bullet guys and they said, hey, the one good thing John McCain had going is that he was opposed to torture because he experienced it and he knew that yeah, it was a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, totally, right? totally. And then the whole joke, and I understand there's a joke element to it, but it's it's it pushes into... Um, uncomfortable areas when people are like, oh, the only question is head first or feet first, right? Well, the 
and there was like, oh, of course, feet first, blah, 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 right? The, 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 what that means is that now you are desiring, Ad you're torturing yeah. somebody. You're advocating if, for torture. Yeah. Yeah. If they're a bad person and, and need a, a certain, ex a certain application of justice, do it. Don't just kill it. The thing of it, that, I mean, a lot of people would argue with you and say like, um, oh, it's just a joke. It's just a meme. But it's like, well, there's a, you're treading on dangerous territory with that. Right. Because and, and, sorry, plenty of, plenty of political cartoons were jokes and they served as propaganda and they right. served as like dehumanizing propaganda, you know, right. and yeah. You start with pedophiles and you'd go to communists and then you go to anybody else you don't like. You know what I mean? Like in our community, that's kind of the, they talk about, you know, free helicopter rides, right? Whoever that, the guy 100%. in what, Nicaragua uh, or whatever it yeah. was, Pinochet. Yeah. yeah. Um, stuff like that. You know, it is kind of, it's grotesque. It's like grotesque humor. And I get that we've been through kind of like traumatic times. You know, they talk often about how, um, Again, like as a almost survival mechanism, firefighters, cops, paramedics often develop a very morbid sense of humor mm, Yeah, um, to emotionally separate from the very grotesque reality in front of them, right? And that you can almost sympathize with. Like I said, it's just almost a coping me mechanism not to have to live with that to too deeply on an emotional level but maybe if you need that to get through the day that ain't the job for you like some people i would mm -hmm. think actually have the um what do, what do you call it the temperament for jobs like that they might be few and far between but like that's why i think you know as much as i don't like how policing is done currently i see an, a necessity for a form of community policing but the, the the temperament of a cop should be very mm. like understood. Like w this is what we're looking for. You need to be calm under pressure. You need to be brave. You need to be in in a lot of ways kind of selfless. You have to be willing to accept that your job comes with danger, and that just because you get spooked doesn't mean you point and shoot first, right? Shit like right. that. Right. Sure. You know. And um, you hear about, you know, I've, I've heard interviews with, you know, speaking to cops where they kind of talk about, I almost want to say this was on like the Bill Maher interview that we clipped for WTF just on Sunday, where it was um, Bill Maher talking about, he interviewed a cop who said, when I was in the black neighborhood, I hated blacks. When I was in the Latino community, I hated Latinos. When I was in the white, mm. you know, when I was in the white ghetto, I was, I hated white people. And like, it's, it's scary when that's kind of the, the norm with people who possess that kind of power in particular, right? It's how you end up with things like the Gestapo and the death squads and the this and the that. Right. Um, yeah, man, like this is one of the big issues that we're facing, I think. And it's, it's something nobody fucking talks about hardly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just uh, listening uh, just recently since you messaged me about this. Um, to uh, Malice's You're Welcome, uh, episode 15, I think. And I was listening to some back episodes, and it was some guy who'd studied torture. Mm. And I hadn't considered this, but he commented on how often torturers um, will 
often not only mask the person they're torturing, but they will wear a mask themselves. And this allows them to, to disassociate themselves from the humanity of the person they're torturing. Um, and, and his, you know, there's multiple examples, whether it be Americans torturing people or, um, or Americans being tortured. Um, that is a, that is a, maybe like a psychological trick or something. But again, there's something that, um, is utilized to make someone feel good about otherwise bad action, you know, or at least not feel as bad about it. They might not feel great about it, but sure. They they'll do it. Maybe if they think if they can justify it in their own head, right. We were talking Mm -hmm. about justification, right. Uh, If they can find a way to justify it in their own head, but clearly if you need to pull tricks like that and you're, you're aware of why you're like, I don't want to see their face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be too difficult or whatever. I'd have to remember their face. It's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Maybe you shouldn't do it then. Yeah. Um, part of me wants to argue, right? There's always the classic like debate club uh, topic. Are people, you know, inherently good or inherently evil, right? And it makes me want to stay on the side of good because it sounds to me that it's against your your sort of basic instinct to hurt people if you have to pull mind games on yourself right like uh. self self deception while i could see it in in certain uh situations like i said as a as a survival instinct i i can also see that it's part of our maybe reptilian brain as opposed to our mammalia brain right and uh. and as emotional creatures as mammals yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call a, a lizard an emotional creature, aside from maybe the basic ones of like fear, hunger, if you can call those emotions, whatever. But um, we're obviously way more emotional. I guess my point is like, I think people have the basic instinct to do good, but the basic instinct to survive supersedes that, especially oh. if if it's. Um, you know, it's like people get convinced in times of war or what have you that it's a matter of survival to annihilate a group of people. And when they believe it's a matter of survival, they do it. Like like the guy said in the video, um, it's it's kind of, you have to look at it as holding up a mirror to the worst parts of us and recognize that we're all vulnerable to like evil in essence, it, it can it, it it it's something that has happened many times over. That you know, huge populations get brainwashed into dehumanizing other huge populations. It's fucking bad, dude. Especially if you don't know if you don't know it's possible, you're way more susceptible, right? Well, here here's a great example. This is speaking of Twitter arguments. We're approaching August, so of course the the traditional um, Hiroshima Nagasaki bombing uh, debates are coming up. And here's somebody somebody I was uh, discussing the topic with. Let's say um, they this is a quote from them: the Japanese people fully believed they were above all other races, and that these military actions, uh, specifically like the rape of Nanking and other things, I think before World War II, um, that these military actions were acts of extermination against something that's not even human. Right. And, and great point. Again, fantastic. I'm able to say, yes, that's a bad thing. 
um, he's turned this particular individual or this particular account is then turning around and saying that justifies Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, the yeah, bombings. Yeah. Um, when the reality is, and I don't, I don't understand why he doesn't realize this, uh, I, and I'm not very good at explaining it again on Twitter, so I'm not, uh, I'm maybe potentially responsible for this, um, but he's failing to realize that that's exactly what we did to the Japanese is we viewed them as less than human and worthy of, of death, innocent civilians, right? It's a, they, there's, I understand there's nuances, but the, um, essentially it's the same thing. Americans were cheering on. Um, and I use that metaphorically, um, the, the bombings because they had dehumanized the Japanese as a part of, of, uh, justifying the war. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can basically boil it down to like, they think they're better than us, but we're better than them. <laughs> right. Right. And, and the Japanese can, or what, whoever the other side is can say, they think they're better than us. Yeah. We just said we're better than you. Right. And then they're, and what came first, chicken or the egg. Right. And um, round and round like, and round we go. Yeah. I can tell you what, if somebody, there's a, it, you can debate who started it. But I can tell you who can end it, and that's the person who stops. Right. And does that sound gay and cheeseball? Yes, but it's true. And that doesn't mean laying down and letting letting yourself be genocided either. Yeah, I well, mean, for sure. It just means not aggravating the situation worse, right? Genocide happens when this spiral of dehumanization keeps going and going and going and isn't broken. Uh, I'm not saying it's inevitable, right? The, the wheel can be broken. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't want to make any predictions. Um, I don't do think it, it's, do it. I, I don't think, I don't think we're like without hope. You know what I mean? As like a, as a people. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, I don't think, I don't think we're without hope, even as a like mixed population, you know, like it doesn't have to resort to tribalism. I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth on the use of that word tribalism. I guess when I use it in this context, I mean like tribal war. Um, but like, I do almost think we need to form tribes and nations that are, you know, decentralized and do it peacefully, you know, like, and it, it's not, not under like racial lines or, or anything more under geographic lines. Like our tribe needs to be our town. Our nation needs to be like our, our, county you know <laughs> sure yeah yeah shrink it down i guess decentralize that's always my argument um because when you can actually look around and like see that the people you depend on live next door and live across town and you're way less inclined to hate their stinking guts you know right yeah that that the uh, uh the other uh tweet that i messaged you um this guy said, is it people on the left or the right that are dehumanizing their neighbors? He says, both. both. Yeah. yeah. He says, get to know your neighbors. And just like you're saying, yeah, if if you don't know your neighbors, it's easier to be suspicious of them or to, um, I won't say hate them, but to um, not be friendly toward them. Right. But if you know them, you can disagree with them on topics, politics, religion, whatever, and still be like, you know what? He's a solid dude and he's got my back. If something happens, if I, if my house starts on fire, he's going to run over and put it out. Whereas mm -hmm. if you don't know your neighbors, you might be like, I don't know. Will they help me if I need help? 
you know, well, and, and, and have, go ahead. I was, I was going to say almost beyond that whole, like they've got my back thing and maybe not even like, you know, they're, they're like a contributor to my well being necessarily, but like, well, I know their, their older brother or mom knows, you know, their grandmother, this, that, and the other, like, there's a little more hum- <clears throat> uh, humanity to what I was going to say is like when people do bad things, you know, that's the greatest test is like when someone does something bad or says something bad, agree or not, um, you know, justice set to the side. Can you at least look at them as a, as a human that you can sort of, you know, at least have a little bit of sympathy for? Um, and not want to torture, right? I understand sure. there's a valid argument about like capital punishment for capital crimes or whatever. Um, but it's not what the Bible really says, I don't think. Uh, and I don't like prisons either, but like there, there's a there's a difficult thing when you have truly violent, truly evil people in your midst, how to handle that. But doing it at least in what you might call like a humane way, not letting that nasty dark part of us come out where we want to see someone suffer um, because Mm. they've done, because they've done something we don't like, um, but dealing with it somewhat dispassionately, or you might say fairly um, and humanely. That's the hardest part. That's the greatest test, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you uh, gaining pleasure from this? yeah that's a really sick that's a really sick kind of perversion that comes out of people when they enjoy seeing something in pain it's Mm -hmm. horrible horrible yeah 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 back to my back mm. to my uh illustrator my example there if if i allowed the dog to continue to suffer that'd be worse than putting them down right especially if I took pleasure out of seeing the suffering, that'd be sick for sure. You know, I, I'm it's, it's good. You called back to it. Um, that's, that's, it's kind of ironic. I I was, I was almost going to spill the beans when you brought up your pooch. Um, first of all, I'm sorry to hear it. That's never easy or fun, but you're right. It is the humane thing when a dog is truly suffering and on the, you know, verge of death, or would only suffer for, you know, an agony for another, you know, week or, you know, even, I don't sure. know, it depends on the level of suffering and I suppose the possibility of, of recovery, but if it's beyond hope, I mean, and you know, as the dog owner, that's your, basically that's your responsibility. Not saying you necessarily sure. have to be the, be the one to dispatch the animal. A lot of people go to the vet, right? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. That's so, and that's totally, um, I don't have a problem with that. No, not at all. But, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people, myself included, I always kind of figured I'd probably do it myself. I'm almost inclined not even to ask you. That's like a really personal question, but um, it's a terrible thing. I've dispatched a few like suffering animals, you know, gopher that got a gopher that got run over on the side of the road, but was still breathing. You know, there was a bird. There was a bird that this cat on a ranch I worked at, you know, grabbed out of the air and just emaciated it, just ripped it wide open, but it's still conscious and um what was the other one? Oh, there was a really fucked up squirrel looked like a hawk like gored it and dropped it mm. um 
but anyways, like it's never fun. It's never something you should enjoy, but sometimes it has to be done. And dogs are dogs. It's the reason I, I, I say I almost spilled the beans earlier is because when you brought your dog up the last, I think it's the last link I have. Yeah. The last two links are about people humanizing dogs, right? Oh, oh this okay. is, yeah, yeah. this is a trend that has been going on and I don't like it. Okay. Um, I got into an argument with, with a gal at the bar like a couple weeks ago, not really an argument, more just like a, like, are you for real? Right, she's, right. she's like, and I've already mentioned this on the show. I don't know if you've heard me talk about it, but she's saying, you know, my, my husband's a scientist and he's going to keep my fur babies alive forever. Right. Oh, okay. This is a new one. This is a new one. This is like, <laughs> this is a whole psychological basket. Uh, right. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Let's, this is like, <laughs> oh, she's like, this is like transhumanism blended with total denial of like, no. you know, yeah. Total denial of death, denial of like how a dog is a dog. <laughs> like, you know, right. There's right. a lot of things at play here, but I've seen this a lot, man. People just like putting their dogs on this pedestal, acting like they're people. And I don't like it because, because when it comes down to, you know, it's not good for a dog to treat it like a person. Like it's not good for their psyche. You know, they have co-evolved with humans in a way that you don't treat your, your dog like your child. You know, there's a difference. Mm, sure. This, sure. Uh, you know, it's it, yeah. Humanizing the pet. So check this out. Hey dad. I got an A in my book report, and I scored a go on Ashley. That's cool. And I went for a walk in the woods, and I didn't get a single flea or tick on me. You are just the best. Probably because of that flea and tick medicine you've been ordering from Chewy. We are very proud of you. You never stop surprising us, Bailey. Right? I'm great. You are great. <laughs> I wonder if Bailey's ever done a book report. <laughs> Be nice to your sister. What flea bit him? Pets aren't just pets. They're more. This flea and tick season. Wow. Is, is there not something in incredibly fucked up about this ad right right i mean it's an ad for one thing so to give them the benefit of the doubt they're just trying to manipulate you to buy their product they're making um, a joke emotion but yeah. they're making I, a joke but it's a joke based on a serious trend man sure yeah yeah i mean the amount of money people spend on their pets like now versus 50 years ago yeah like it's hilarious i, I should yeah. say some people I gotta, I gotta say, I got like the cheapest dog. Knock on wood. No, he's like healthy. He's happy. He doesn't need any special fucking shit. Like, right? You know, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, man. And then, it, I mean, it, it gets to the point where it's like a cultural virus, right? And um, I, I've seen it a bunch where people are just so obsessed with their dogs and cats, and it's. I I almost think it's part of like the depopulation agenda when you real really boil it down. Uh, I've got this clip here. This is my last clip. I saw you at the dog park yesterday. You were very excited about your dog. You uh, asked me. You said, uh, "How many months is he?" And and then you were worried that it was a she and not a he because that's important because it's a dog. It's a fucking dog, ladies. 
You're not a dog mom. <laughs> You're a lady with a dog. He likes you, right? Yes, I know. We bred him over thousands of years to love you unconditionally. Stop pretending your dog is a child. You've been duped. Men who want to have sex with you beyond your expiration date filled up your maternal instincts with a dog. We plugged it in the hole. And now you go, mommy's home, mommy's home. And when we talk about how pathetic you are, you go, I'm going to have a kid eventually. No, you're not. Oh, yeah, my aunt is 42. We have taken the most special thing from a woman, the fact that she can breed, the fact that she can make a human being. And we've stripped that away and said, now be equal. Now you just made a shitty dude. Now they're just a dude who can't do pull-ups. And they think that's empowering. I saw a woman in the New York Post the other day. She had two gigantic pigs. Pigs. And she goes, they're my babies. I mean, it's, it's like invasion of the body snatchers. Those aren't your babies. Those are kids. I mean, those are fucking pigs. Now you're getting me brainwashed. It's really frustrating to watch these women think that they're eventually going to have kids when they're, when they're 40, when they're 45, when they're 50, because Barbara Corcoran did it to the tune of 350 grand. Uh, my crazy aunt did it. That whole thing is a mess. There are so many problems with having babies late in life. You're, you're more at risk for autism. That's why you're seeing twins everywhere with these in vitros that cost 15 grand. You're giving a woman quintuplets and three of them die. That's sick and depraved. Why aren't the pro-life people more concerned about, by the way, making a million babies in your belly and then 900,000 of them die? It's gross. And say you do. Say you are smart enough to pull it off. You're lucky enough, I should say. You realize that you're going to have an only child now. I was an only child till I was 14. It's really, really boring. Or say the kid turns out great. You defy physics. You defy biology. You're 40 when you have a kid. And by the way, I've made this mistake. So I'm screaming from experience. I don't want you making the same mistakes I have. I wish I could have had them all sooner. I was talking to my mom the other day. It was my age. And she goes, what the hell were we waiting for? And I screamed, I don't know. Now I'm going to be 60 when, they're, when they graduate high school. I, at the, at the, when they graduate college, I'm going to be like Catherine Hepburn on, on Golden Pond. Oh, yeah, my knight in shining armor. Going out drinking with my son with a little thing of fucking geriatric laxative oh i'm so proud of you boys and then they go well i uh, don't want to have kids because the world is overpopulated in what other scenario do we discuss one versus seven billion i don't like going out oh why not well mm. the odds two ravens flying at me and impaling their beaks in my eyes as an air conditioner falls on my head are too high but aren't those one in seven billion yeah too high. I don't like one in seven. One in seven billion is mathematically irrelevant. Don't worry about it, okay? The planet isn't going to collapse if you have three kids. Jesus, one in seven billion, that's what we do with DNA. We go, well, I think we got the guy. What are the odds? One in seven billion? That's the same as a sure thing. Don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything in math. Ladies, you are fawning over dogs because you've been brainwashed. You have pulled babies out of your uterus, both literally when you had abortions and mentally by removing this thing from your brain. The reason you come home and say, hi, mommy's home to your stupid rescue pits is because you've been fooled and it's driving everyone with a brain nuts. You've replaced the best thing about you with a fucking stupid dog. Thanks for thoughts he he was uh motivated <laughs> yeah he's got some uh, attitude yeah i liked his line uh you're just a dude that can't do pull-ups that was great yeah 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 <laughs>
I, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm inclined. I'm inclined to agree, though, man. Like, I see this around. I go to the dog park with my dog, and like, some people are nutty, and uh, people are, you know, there's like varying degrees of nuttiness when it comes to dogs and how they ought to be treated. Like, I take my dog to work a lot. You know, if it's more than about 80, 80 degrees out, it kind of depends. Is it a breezy day? Is it a cloudy day? But like, you know, I, I make a judgment fact uh, sure. call. Right. And he hangs out in the truck with the windows, you know, halfway down. So he can't mm-hmm. jump out. Right. But right. Right. He he'd rather be out with me than locked up at home. And I've had people, strangers and clients be like, uh, should you? should you be leaving your dog in, in your truck like that? I'm like, lady, it's 76 degrees out. Like, right. he, he, I think he'll be okay. You know, he's got a full bowl of water, like, and a, and a bowl of food. What do you want from me? And people are just so weird about it. Like right. some people would call animal control just to fuck your day up because you left your dog in the car. Now I get it. If the windows are rolled up and the sun's out, that's fucked up. But, you know, you catch my point. Like, some mm-hmm. people are so overly, like, sensitive. It's like, lady, he's a dog. Like, he he grew up on a farm, first of all, and he used to be outside, like, 15, 16 hours a day running and chasing stuff. And, you know, and he never died of heat exhaustion then. You know, I think he's all right. Like, chill. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. To take people yeah. down to the level of animals. Mm-hmm. It's functionally similar to bringing animals up to the level of humans. Yeah, functionally. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you yeah, you make a good point. Kind of like we were saying when it comes to um you know, people dumbing themselves down to the machines instead of the machines getting as, you know, smart or smarter than us. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. similar, you know, there's like a there's like a meeting point maybe, but Yeah. Who's to say, man? Yeah, like we dehumanize each other and we humanize our pets. You know, I think it might be the result of like Disney culture, right? All the talking animals and Clifford the Big Red Dog and, you know, yeah. 101 Dalmatians and fucking all them movies. Homeward Bound. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, definitely. It has an effect for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Milo and Otis. I mean, let's, mm. let's, go, let's go way back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. For whatever reason, it seems uh, seems like it's all kind of part of the same pie. But I don't have much else. Do you have any other any other thoughts? We've been going for no, two I, hours. I, and, yeah, hit, and hit a lot plus. of hit a lot of good points there. I think. Yeah. 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 I, I got to jump on my soapbox a couple times, and you know, hell that's yeah, what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's almost like this episode was very like WTF forum esque, but just one on one. Um, right, yeah, I think, that's I think it's it's a more it's a more sensitive subject than we tend to cover on WTF. Uh, so maybe better done more sensitively than on a, sure. on, a on a group show. Um, but in in many ways, like even some of the stuff that gets joked about on WTF, like I'm trying to kind of be more conscious of like, all right, let's be more like gracious uh, to our fellow man. You know, even mm, when they're even when sure. they're dumb and wrong, like. Um, trying to kind of break the cycle of that because it, it doesn't help anything. I love doing the WTF forums um, and I want to keep doing them, right? Uh, 
but I'm a I'm like a lover, not a not a hater, or I'm trying to be. Although it depends. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always trying, always trying. Well, hey, Walt, you know, as always, it's a pleasure, man. Yeah, dude. It, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thanks. That was a lot Absolutely. of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk again soon, and uh, thanks for coming on Easy Peasy. Yeah, appreciate it. If you would like to donate to the Easy Peasy podcast, please go to easypeasy.ittybitty.tips. Talk to you soon.